All right, we're gonna hit the button. All right, uh, and we're live. Welcome to episode two of the Five Things podcast. Today's Five Things is gonna be uh, our top five non Dungeons and Dragons uh, tabletop RPGs. Um, we tried to get a little weird. I know that um, some of these are sort of D&D adjacent, but I know I tried to get them away to do some kind of weird stuff, hoping to influence people to do, I don't know, maybe something they're not used to doing, something that we haven't heard of. Um, I feel I like, little, yeah. I went a little column A, column B, a couple of things that are D&D adjacent enough, uh, and a couple of things that are real out there, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Um... So you went first last time, so I will elect to go first this time. Um, and we're going to start with what is honestly one of my uh, favorite games to play, especially with people who don't play a lot of role-playing games. And that is Spirit of the Century. Uh, Spirit of the Century is a uh, fate game. So it's all just fudge dice. It's set in like late 30s-ish. Like it's, it's basically Indiana Jones, the role-playing game. And you're going to make up your character... And you have these, like, your character sheet is just made up. You just give yourself skills that are just kind of nonsense, and then you just get to use them. Like, I played, like, a big, burly Irish immigrant, and one of his abilities was move, bitch, get out the way. And I could invoke that to make a bitch get out the way if I deem so necessary. Um, Like, I've played with characters that are, like... uh doing things like western style which is just like whatever you just like pick fights with people just like all kinds of wackiness uh, i mean like there's a gorilla flying a plane on the rule book like i i don't know how well you can see that because it's it's kind of like a smaller like not the best resolution image it's but reverse king kong situation yeah it is literally reverse king kong like there's a gorilla flying that plane and it's like the least weird thing that's happening there's a man with a jetpack with two guns there's a hindenburg exploding in the background you mentioned fudge dice. A lot of people who are watching this probably don't know what that is. I don't know. I've still never played this game. I've played a lot of role-playing games. What does that mean? Okay, so if you've never played, I guess, yeah. Uh, this overall would have just been the fate system, um, which is you basically have dice that have either a plus, a minus, or nothing on them at all. Um, and so, like, let's say you have an ability score of eight. You're going to roll those dice. Um, you roll four dice, and, like, your average... I think is nothing right like you you average like your score shouldn't change but you can get lucky and you can add a plus four you get a minus four and you can just suck at the thing you were doing uh so like, like there's way less math right like you're only at most adding or subtracting four right so like if you roll two pluses a one minus and a blank then it's plus one right uh, this is a the game, and really like Fate in general specifically, I feel, is like it's designed that you never fail. And when you do fail, you fail really hard, which I found out while making my list is something uh, it turns out I'm really into. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of games on my list that that just sort of you can do what you want to do until the game decides you can't do that thing and then it murders you. Uh, then a plane is stolen by a monkey that you have to fight with a jetpack out of a Hindenburg or something. Unless you did it on purpose. I do know in canon that that monkey is a bad guy. Oh, no. Yeah. Monkeys are almost always good guys. I, I think it's like a real, like, Gorilla Grodd type situation. Um, where they, yeah. Very few talking monkeys are good guys, I feel. Like, once you're, like, a gorilla, you're, like, full plan of the apes, and then you're, you're a bad guy. If you're a monkey who can't talk, then you're a good, you're, like, a fun sidekick, like, in Speed Racer. So, uh... It's like here, I think I feel like from good monkey to bad monkey, it's like Curious George is like good monkey, right? Yeah. Bubbles, uh, Michael Jackson's pet monkey or chimpanzee, definitely solidly in the middle. Because you know Bubbles saw some stuff and didn't talk about it in court, you should have. And then like evil monkey is like Gorilla Grodd, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. We're uh. The, the next next episode can just be uh five monkeys. five monkeys just five favorite monkeys they don't have to be famous they just be like i went to the zoo i saw a dope monkey he was pretty cool uh that's my number five all right uh i'm gonna take the next one and my number five was i believe 
Pathfinder and Starfinder. It yes. was. Was. So Pathfinder and Starfinder, specifically Pathfinder 2nd Edition. I made the picture a little too big there to fit in our box, but I'll fix that the next time. Pathfinder 2nd Edition has been getting a bit of a knockback recently because a lot of the advanced playtesters have found that past level 7, there are issues with it. Uh, specifically, there is almost always a set action to your character, so they should pull back a little bit. Pathfinder is like D&D, but for nerds. Uh, D&D, well, there's a three, third edition of D&D that was super complicated, and then they came out with fourth edition. Everybody hated it. So Paizo, who used to run all of Wizards of the Coast's like, gaming sessions at conventions, were like, fuck it, we're going to make our own D&D with Blackjack and Hookers and made Pathfinder. Um, Pathfinder is really great. First edition is great. Second edition is pretty cool. Uh, but they streamlined the action economy where instead of in like a lot of you probably play fifth edition Dungeons Dragons, how you have like you have movement where you can do like some certain things and then you have an attack you can do with your second part of your turn. In Pathfinder, there were like a billion things you could do on your turn. In Pathfinder second edition, they made it where you can do three things on your turn. Uh, and all of your actions have to encompass within those three things. So you can move, and you can move a certain amount. You can attack. You can attack twice, but if you attack twice, you take a negative four to that attack. And if you make a third attack, like if you attack three times, you take a negative eight to that attack. The problem with that is, as you level up to, like, level seven or eight, there becomes a set amount of things you can do, where if you do a full action where, you, like, you attack three times, it gets rid of that negative modifier, or if you're a magic user... Um, you get way better benefits for using a spell as a full attack action. And so it's almost always best to use your most powerful ability for all three actions, and so combat gets very stale, uh, which is a fairly new thing people have been kind of like complaining about. But I personally have played it uh, in one shots. I really enjoy it. I think the action economy works great. Haven't made it past that like level 7 hump people are talking about yet. Starfinder, on the other hand, is amazing. Starfinder is probably my favorite game I've ever played, but I love magic sci-fi mixed together and that's what it is i have a starfinder game that i run that is not a podcast um that started out as a level one to four of a homebrew written system that i or homebrew campaign that i did and then we moved into the uh against the iron throne campaign and now we are on the you can't remember but it's the it's the campaign where you fight the like evil facebook company that's making people go crazy and murder each other with their app, which is pretty fun. Highly recommend Starfinder. If you've not checked it out, go ahead and do that. If you run a campaign and it's not a podcast, does it truly exist? I don't know. The, that's the thing. The last uh, 10 years of me running role-playing games, did they actually happen? Only in the hearts of those that were there. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, I, I also love Starfinder. I have not played nearly as much Starfinder as you have, but that, it is a fantastic game. Uh, shit combat's kind of a pain, but the the characters and the abilities and the yeah, like it's it's nice to have something that has like a chunky system of a D and D or a Pathfinder set in not Game of Thrones land. And like honestly, that's almost enough for me just to be like, all right, we still have swords and sorcery, but it's just not magic; it's space tech or whatever. Yeah, no, it's it's fantastic. I. I've looked for other systems similar enough to it. Can't find anything. If anybody has a recommendation, if they see this, please comment and let me know. Um, I love like the tactical combat side of it, and I love like the setting. There's a lot of like a lot of things like uh, we do. Was it black? Not blasters in the dark, but blades in the dark. Scum and villainy. Oh, scum and villainy. Yes, yeah, the similar idea, uh, but it doesn't have that like chunky combat system that I do enjoy planning encounters around. Yeah, um, the Star Wars role-playing game. I forget what it's called. There's like three core books. It's all the same system, but there's like a Jedi book, a um, like a mercenaries, like Boba Fett type situation book. And there's just like, a, I think you can just be like, like a, um, like a smuggler. It's like Outer Rim or something yeah, like that. It's, uh, it's Edge of the Empire, Force and Destiny, Age of Rebellion. And I have played all three of them. They are fantastic. But I hate any system that requires proprietary dice. And so if you're going to play that with, like, your three or four friends, you have to own the proprietary dice because they don't mathematically equal out very easily to just a normal set of dice. 
And then if you want to just buy, like, you would do, like, an app or something, they have a dice roller app. It's $5, which makes I, me so angry that I don't want to play the game. I understand the anger. Uh, also, I, it can't be that hard to make an app that <laughs> just does that yeah. for you. But, yeah, that is be that hard, but it's kind super, of dumb. Super annoying. All right. It's a super fun system. Yeah. I never got I to play it. Christmas. Oh, nice. I never, I never got to play it. Uh, we had planned on it, and it just never, it never happened. We weren't going to record it, so it wouldn't have counted anyway. All right. Uh, Maybe we can run that as our like side sideshow podcast when we do a bunch of the weird games that I've always played. Yeah, I'd be down. We should just do a marathon. Like, let's just plan like six one shots and do like a twenty four hour like charity stream. I would love to. That sounds amazing. Like, let's. I was just talking to my girlfriend about how in college I would. We'd get up in the morning, go to breakfast, we'd play for six hours, go to lunch, play for four or five hours, go to dinner, and then play for six six hours. And I tried to convince my current group of friends to do that with me, to like play for like a whole day straight. We just hang out the whole time. And it's really hard to get adults to do that. Yeah, it's tough. It's, it's, it's tough. But I think if you did like a charity, like post-COVID, we can, like, like let's hop on board that extra life train and like that'll be our 24-hour charity thing. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I'd love to do that. You know, I've got campaign ideas and a bunch of ideas for millennia. Well, so. I love games where you don't have to plan uh, to run them, which brings me to my number four, which is the first role-playing game I ever owned. Uh, this is the first rule book I ever bought. I actually own multiple copies of this game because I own the deluxe edition, which is impossible to find. It's out of print. Uh, depending on where you look to buy it, it's like upwards of $100 to buy, and it's signed by the creator. So I can't play with it. I'm afraid to take it anywhere. Uh, so I bought Cobalt and My Baby in color, uh, which is what this picture is, which is what you should buy because you can find it, and it's affordable. It's like $25. Um, I love this game. This is the silliest, dumbest game that, like, it requires that you make multiple character sheets because it's assumed your characters will die so quickly. Like, you play as a kobold who's just, like, doing shitty kobold things to, like, various villagers. And, like, you might run into an adventurer, but you can't fight the adventurer. They will just murder you. So it's like, if you see an adventurer, you need to run away and, like, set a trap they will trip over so that they don't kill you. Like, one of the hardest enemies is, like, a chicken. It's like, if you want to fight this chicken, you might win, but it's going to take all five of you and you might die. And there's also death checks. What, like... And, like, certain things, like, spawn death checks, well, like, if you want to, like, use an ability, like, if you're, like, a magic user in Cobalt, you have to literally write down on a piece of paper the spell you're casting and throw the piece of paper at somebody. Like, you throw it at the person you're casting it on, and, and like, if you miss them, it doesn't count. Like, it's just, like, a super wacky game. You roll, I think it's just a D6 game. Like, it's one of those... You roll a couple of dice, and... You just like take like your highest or lowest. It's like a super simple. Uh, it's a ton of fun. You don't really like run. You can like there are like campaigns out there. You can find like YouTube series of people who played like 16 hours of Cobalt Take My Baby. It's not really meant for that. You're supposed to sit down because every campaign is the same campaign. Like you're too dumb to like do anything because you're Cobalt. Every campaign is steal a baby. Find a baby Take it back to King Torg, all hail King Torg, and feed it to him. And if somebody says King Torg and you don't say all hail King Torg, that's that's a death check. You roll dice, and if you don't hit it, your character just dies. And there's a table you roll against, depending on if you're indoors or outdoors, on how you die. And you can be killed by, like, a meteor can hit you. Uh, I So I rolled a death check because I didn't say all hail King Torg, and, like, a cow landed on them. Like, it was just, like, a cow that just, like, walks up to you and just falls over, and, like, your kobolds are, like, the size of a cat, basically. You're dead. Like, all kinds of weird. It's super fun. It's very silly. The The character sheet's, like, half a sheet of paper. Uh, you, The anagram for your ability spells the word beer. Like, your, your armor is, like, it's literally t-shirts. It's, like, if you have, like, a t-shirt... That's like it's like a t-shirt and a hat and if you have like a chef's hat you can like cook better so you get like better healing items but like there's no reason for healing items because everything kills you anyway 
Um, it's super fun. You can just bust it out. It's a very silly game. You can just make stuff up while you're playing it. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I really enjoy it. This is a fun... If I got to play a role-playing game at like 2 o'clock in the morning for a charity event, I want to play this. I don't want to do math. I want to steal babies and, and feed them to my my furry cobalt overlord King Torg. All hail King Torg. That's, that's my number four. My number This uh, this wasn't on the slideshow, not but half an hour ago. <laughs> I changed it because I wanted to surprise you, and also because originally the the title for this was weird role playing games, and then you changed it to non D and D role playing games. I was like, well, I want to save the weird ones for like when we get weird. That was so just decided... that was just me being clickbaity. I I thought yeah. we were gonna keep the weird. So so I added the weird ones back in. Hot guys making out is a play game I saw at Gen Con. And the year it came out, well, it was released at Gen Con through uh, Indie, Indie Game, Indie, in, I can't remember, it's Indie something. I will actually look that up because I would like to plug them. Indie uh, uh, that's, that's an important part of this game, I think. Right. Uh, so do I roleplay as a hot guy who makes out? Yes, you are. So it's for up to four players. And you play as one of the two hot guys, or you play as the maid or the butler. So one of the hot guys is a rich guy. Uh, his, the the <laughs> your like friend moves in with you because of in the original setting they give you, but they give you like lots of options, whatever you want. It's the Spanish Civil War. Um, sure. Yeah. But uh, it's the Spanish Civil War, and so he move, they move in with you to get away from the fascists, and uh, you fall in love and have a lot of tender tender scenes uh but i saw this at gen con and wanted it very badly uh because i thought it would be the best thing ever to play uh with my friends from school because they had all agreed to play any rpg i bought brought with me back from gen con and uh i'm really sad because at the time i went back to get it because i was broke and they had sold out at the booth they sold out yeah. do you know how many they started with? did you ask how many they started with I did not. I should have. Oh, you have to ask. If anything ever sells out at Gen Con, you have to say, how many did you bring? Just because you always get a weird answer. It's always either like, oh, we brought 10,000 copies and they're all gone. Or it's like, we brought six. We didn't think anybody was going to buy it. <laughs> I'd like to think Hawkeye's Making Out was in the 10,000 category for sure. They, they sold out. They couldn't find enough paper to uh support what they were trying to do that that's a uh hawkeye's making out uh version two that needs the tagline needs to be there's not enough paper to contain the steaminess of this game exactly oh my I goodness i just bought it because i didn't own it until i had added here because i always wanted to play it and never had a reason to i just decided to go ahead and buy it while we were on here talking that's what i was doing if you heard the typing so i'm now the proud owner of hot guys making out you literally just bought it like just literally, now yeah, just bought it we were talking yes the reason Jesus. i was like, quiet for a little because i'm like you know what seven bucks let's do it so i now i'm the proud owner of the pdf oh man it was i also bought it because i wanted to see it was it was like independent it was like indie game network or indie game something they're a group of people who go to gen con every year and they um print they like fund their money together to all print copies of their games and they win uh any's like one or two of their products will win in any almost every year for some reason hot guys making out is now owned by these are our games is the publisher uh and i can't remember what the company was that was selling them at gen con i will figure that out and I will announce it next time we have a stream. What is... Really sad, but I can't remember it. What is the system? Am I rolling D20s? It's its own thing. Uh, let's see. Let me open my PDF here. <laughs> yeah, we can just check. We got the rules. <laughs> oh, you play with cards. Oh, there you go. Yeah. You take turns playing, playing cards to tell your story, and your cards give you... Uh, the ability to take actions or unrestricted actions. Uh, ace cards, if you draw them, advance the threat. And if you play a card of equal or greater value than any card played previously, you must pass to somebody else. So your goal is to play a lower card than the current highest card. 
Okay, so like you play war to achieve, I, I assume, the action of yes. making out with a hot yes. guy. Yes, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it's it's more, it's not just like a game where you play war to make out with each other. You try to like build character, you, it's like one card you give, an, you have to give an inner monologue or thought. One card you have to add dialogue to the current scene. Um, one card you have to attempt to to do something knowing yourself that it won't succeed but you have you have to get tell in character how your character is going about trying to do something so the the cards like really influence your role playing yes i guess you would have to like if s similar to kobolds the the end the end goal of this is kind of like the same or like you got to make out with a hot guy so the system just uh, fills in the, the the middle bit. Yeah. Fair enough. The goal being that you and the other hot guy get to make out. So. So is the the, out. the person on top of the the seemingly much taller hot guy is that? A... That's a guy. All right. Hey. There's two guys being dudes. All right. I definitely thought that that was a woman, and I was like, "Why is this called hot guys making out?" But. I guess uh, it. The term is moe. I don't actually know. Hmm. Well, hey. Hot guy's making out. Got a deck of cards. That's all you need. If it was Star Wars themed, you'd have to buy, like, proprietary cards. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, well, that's a great number four. Uh, we're going to swing this pendulum really, really hard in the opposite direction. Uh, this is a game that I love and also hate. Uh, number three is Hackmaster. Fuck Hackmaster. Fuck Hackmaster. Fuck him. Fuck Hackmaster. Fuck Hackmaster. It is a very beautiful book. It is a fantastic system. Anything that allows you to roll a D10,000 to literally cut somebody in half, that's a good game. That's a good game. It, this game's so fucking hard, though. And that's fine. Like... There, there are games where, like, death is common and, like, being injured to a point where, like, your dude's going to be out of commission for six months to heal up isn't that crazy. But this game is so goddamn crunchy. It takes, like, two hours to make a character. So it's like, oh, your guy's murdered by a skeleton because you're a level one adventurer and you suck. It's just, like, cool. Like, I'm going to lose half a day to make another person and, like... Don't get me wrong. I love this game. I love playing this game. I've gotten to a point where, like, I don't... I'm not in nearly as much danger as, like, the first couple times I played it. Um, But it is hella crunchy, and it is as realistic as, like, a swords and sorcery game can be. Like, there's wizards, but magic is really hard. There's health potions, but they're almost impossible to come across. Um... But it's just so, so crunchy. And, yeah. But it's still super fun, and I love it, and the book is beautiful, and it's, like, probably the nicest set of source books I've ever seen. And if you can find people who can play and survive long enough to make it worthwhile, like, it's definitely worth doing, for sure. This is, like, if you're going to a convention and you can get in on, like, a Hackmaster one-shot, do it. Make someone else make your character get them killed fighting a skeleton because skeletons don't take damage unless you have like a blunt instrument and all of you brought swords and then enjoy yourself and leave and never have to worry about it ever again. Isn't it? It was Hackmaster was started off as like a, say, it was, it was like to make fun of Dungeons and Dragons, right? It was, it was from like the Dork Tower. It was the game they played or something. Yeah, it was originally, uh, it was a parody. Yes. And, yeah, and like the first, I think four editions were sort of jokes. Yeah, the the Knights of the Dinner Table is like a comic that's still going. Um, it's been going forever, and it's still going today. Where they play Hackmaster, and it was originally yeah like a joke. Like if you find the older versions of Hackmaster, it's like weird and cartoony, and like the rules don't really work. Like they're not really meant to. Like it's like it's supposed to be funny. And then fifth edition, they were like, screw it, let's just make a real like, let's make a real game. Like let's make basically a D and D third edition where like, yeah, you're just an idiot with a sword trying to fight ogres. That should be hard and should probably get you killed. But if it doesn't get you killed, you're a badass. 
and when you get to higher levels you just you get like literal armies like you become a knight with like 30 dudes under you awesome yeah like like the the late game is super cool to a point where i kind of want to find somebody who's willing to be like all right make a level 20 character you all your your party is not just a ragtag group at a tavern your party like runs a fiefdom you know what do you do and it's like i kind of like ad and d because in ad and d i know like the barbarians top level ability was you had a barbarian horde that was like six thousand barbarians that you could just send to do stuff for you yeah having never played it but i've read about it yeah all the classes have that like you your class like changes like you, you start as a fighter you can become a knight or i think a paladin like there's like trees basically and depending on where you go yeah but you get people under you and i would love for like a campaign to instead of being like go murder that dragon it's like, okay, well, you and your five buddies are in charge of, like, an entire town of people. And you have to, you know, political intrigue, but also fight other fiefdoms. And, like, I don't know, maybe a dragon shows up eventually. Why not? I imagine dragons in Hackmaster are very, very hard to kill. If, imagine dragons are in Hackmaster? I think there are... Off the top of my head, I want to say that there... Oh yeah, Imagine Dragons. Yeah, they they did like a weird crossover. If if you went to one of their concerts, they gave you like a quick play guide with your ticket. That'd be the coolest band ever. Magic Sword should do. They should make a Magic Sword RPG, and you just it's like part of your ticket. Let's let's just do it. Let's make the Magic Sword module, publish it, and when they come to sue us, we go. Well, now hear me out. Free tickets for life. You yeah, just let me go to your shows for free. You can have this. It's just yours. I did the work for you. Ah, oh, that'd be great. I would happily do that. I would trade anything for tickets for life. Really do anything. It's just like a nice gig. Just to yeah. always be able to see a show. Uh, but yeah, that's my number three. Hackmaster. Number three. All right. My number three is Feng Shui 2. Feng Shui 2 is an action movie role-playing game. It's fantastic. If you haven't played it, highly recommend it. I bought it at Gen Con. I believe the year was released as well, but maybe in the second year it came out. I had whatever amount of money this game was, was the exact amount of money I had left to spend. My first several Gen Cons I was in college and only got to go for because I went for free because I worked for a company. Uh, so it was very broke. Uh, but the exact amount of money I had left over was how much this game cost. I did a demo of it at whatever booth was selling it, and it was awesome. There, You play as any number of tropes from action movies. Uh, the guy there in the upper left-hand corner... That looks like, I believe he's holding a, a baseball bat or a hockey stick, and he's got a six-pack of beer. That guy's just, I can't remember what he's called, but he's just lucky. Uh, if he gets hit, like, he just has a chance to not take damage. His whole thing is, like, he doesn't want to be there. He does not desire to be in the movie or in this action scene. He's kind of like, uh, like Kurt Russell's character from Big Trouble in Little China. He's not very successful at anything. He just He just doesn't get killed for some reason. Uh, over and over again. That's his whole power. There's a karate cop. There's an awakened crab. Uh, <laughs> awakened crab? How big yeah. is the crab? Is it like a full-size crab? Like a giant it's, crab? It's a human with the mind of a crab, but it has mystical crab claws that it uses for attacks. That like are like energy. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And, uh, we played it when I was... We played it a ton in college because the other thing is all the character sheets are pre-made. All... 40 or 50 some different character archetypes or a pre-made character sheet with all of your weapons and items built for you. And then one of the things they sold in a later year that I eventually bought was wet erase sheets of the character sheets. So you can just wipe them down when you're done playing the game and then never, and then just pick up a new one the next time. But yeah, we played, uh, one of the guys was the Awakened Crab and he just played the whole thing as Zoidberg. And <laughs> every time he took his turn, he was like, I run over there and I do this. <laughs> super fun uh one of my favorite aspects of the game is if you're care so like guns and fighting are roughly uh equivalent in how powerful they are because of course that makes sense uh two i have two favorite things about the system the first favorite thing is if you have a gun and you shoot it no matter what type of gun it is when you go you have to roll to reload after you take your turn based on how many bullets the gun actually has you roll a dice and if you roll under that amount you just get to keep shooting no matter how many bullets the gun has in it so if you're rolling, if you have a revolver, 
and you fire, you know, four or five, six shots or whatever in a round, and you roll under six when you go to roll your dice, you don't have to reload because it's an action movie. You only have to reload when it matters to the plot. That is the actual rule, which is awesome. You get, you get the, the, the commando rules where you can just, just keep firing no matter what. Yes, yeah, exactly. It's like your double barrel shotgun. You shoot it four or five times, Army of Darkness style. Hey, they uh, my... they added reloading noises in post. Okay, if you listen closely, you can hear like a clunk clunk. <laughs> my uh, other favorite aspect of the game is uh, when you make a roll to do something, you describe yourself doing the thing. So you're like, I, I, if you're playing the karate cop, you're like, I flash my badge to the gangsters and I say, you're in trouble now, boys. And I jump up on the table at the Denny's, and I do a front flip off of it, and I kick him in the head, and I go to kick him in the head, and you roll the dice, and if you succeed, and it's a there's two different types of characters. There's something, enemies, and there's mooks. Mooks, if you hit them, they just die. Yeah, nice. Um, and I kick him in the head, and you roll, and if you succeed, you're like, and I kick him in the head, and it flies off and slams into, and it lands in the aquarium behind the counter at Denny's, uh, and that happens. Inscription, but if you roll and you fail, you have to then describe your failure. And like, so I do a front flip and I go to kick the gangster in the head and I sail past him and fall into the fryer, screaming as my hand comes out in a big lumpy mess. Oh no, my lobster claws! Yeah, exactly. I dip my lobster claws in butter and I, I just <laughs> try to find the silver lining in the situation. The, the game that I ran. Uh, we ran a lot, but like the most memorable one of the guy was the Awakened Crab. They started out as a, at a Chinese food restaurant, and they went into the back of the Chinese food restaurant. And I had like a vague idea of how I wanted the the game to go. And the crab, the Awakened Crab, found all of the like crab meat, and uh, was like, "We wait till the crab meat's delivered the next day." And I was like, "Where are you going with this?" And they end up interrogating, and they ended up interrogating the crab meat delivery guy who, uh, because I had to do something to make the game go forward, ended up being a mob connection who led them to the docks where the, mo the mob was smuggling in drugs. Like, all he wanted to do was get vengeance for the crabs. It was just, he derailed <laughs> the entire thing just to get vengeance for his crab brethren. Hey, man. Power. I get it. It was super fun. But yeah, it's a great game. You, if you know a lot about movies, it's even better because they really push you to describe, like, scene transitions and camera angles and stuff like that when you're talking about how you're moving super fun that sounds fun in theory part of me feels like it with the right set of people nothing can get done like if somebody wants to pull a tarantino and they're just like describing this shot in great detail and you're like can we i, I want to punch somebody can we get to the part where i punch somebody he's gotta get like a chest timer like you get 60 <laughs> yeah. seconds go look at the tech countdown all right, so my number my number two um, is actually not going to swing too hard. This is, uh, honestly, I think that this is just my feng shui. Uh, this is a game I don't think I've ever told you about. Uh, but it's a game I got super into when I found out about it. Uh, Part-time gods. Uh, I got to play this game at Gen Con. I literally bought tickets to play it not knowing what it was. I just had, like, had two hours to fill. And I played a game that was run by the guy who designed the game. And it was awesome. Um, Part-time gods is basically, it's kind of like like American gods, where if you like believe in something enough, like a god of it starts to exist. Uh, so you get to be like the god of whatever. Like your character creation is like, you just make up a thing. You want to be the god of booze. Like there's a pre-made character who's a god of like the booze god. She's a bartender and she can turn any liquid into alcohol and like all kinds of stuff. Like there's like a blood god who like cuts her arms open and makes blood whips come out and she like fights with them. But it's like whatever you want it to be. Like you can just whatever. You can be the god of Twitch and like just have like crazy charisma and just like make everybody do do stuff. Or you can like be the god of TikTok dances. Yeah, like you, you can dance really well, but only for like 10 seconds, right? Like just like weird stuff like that. Um, it's super fun. It's 1d20 is the entire game. Uh, this is yet another game of you can more or less do whatever the hell you want as long as you describe it in a way that makes makes it fun. And then you just roll dice. And if your dice roll isn't trash, 
then then you get to do that thing and really like the success of your character is based far more on how creative you are and far less on a bunch of like math and luck because i have definitely played this game with people who are just like i i punch the guy and i'm like no don't punch him like do something weird you know you're the the god of parking tickets like like i don't know make him late for something you know do something super weird you know put a boot on his car like i don't know um it's it's great i love it it's super narrative driven uh it kind of falls into like a similar category of feng shui where like there's a lot of encouragement to be in like if you're gonna do stuff do it and do it dramatically and if you fail so just fail hard like your characters can die but like there's rules to be resurrected that aren't crazy difficult as long as they can recover your body like it's kind of meant to like you're really not supposed to die you're supposed to get bored and make more gods like that's the fun part um you don't really want to play the same character forever you want to play your character do some crazy shit and then be like actually it'd be really fun as if i was the god of masonry and i could just build houses super good and then that's just what you do and you entomb the bad guy in like a brick coffin or something steve from minecraft yeah, like literally, like you would just be like, I'm the god of mining, I'm just Steve from Minecraft, and I can make blocks of dirt appear, and I can whack stuff with a pickaxe, and it just disappears, like the dude from Wreck-It Ralph, you know what I mean? Like, you're just Fix-It Felix. Is, honest, Fix-It Felix is a great part-time god's character. Like, if you're going to play this game, just be Fix-It Felix. So that, that's a solid, be the god of construction, that's hilarious. Damn yourself, Bob. Like, it's it writes itself. Uh, super fun, I love this game. And it's super cheap. Like the the source book is only like eighty pages or something. You can you can buy the paperback or buy it on drive through for probably like eight bucks or something. Check that. Uh, that's my number two, I believe. Yeah, let's play that for a twenty four hour thing for sure. Yeah, no, we're definitely throwing a bunch of like improvisable things. Because I don't want to spend a month writing like seven campaigns. I want to sit down and be like, all right, you're like in a city and there's a bad guy and he's a dick and we're going to kick his ass and then we're going to just go from there. And we'll we'll fuck around with crab meat or whatever. All right, my number two, I believe is the next number. The hell? Is Orc. It did. We're good to go. My number two is Orc. Orc is basically Cobalt's Ate My Baby, but you're orcs. Uh, same thing, you should come prepared. Uh, you should make more than one character sheet because orcs die pretty easily for the most part in this game. Uh, orcs have like three or four stats. I don't remember all of them off the top of my head, but you have like a specific stat for throwing weapons at people, and you have a specific stat for smashing people with things, but you don't have like ability scores or anything like that. Uh, my favorite memory of playing this game was when I was in college. Once again, we had our regular D&D game couldn't meet because somebody was out of town, so instead we played Orc. Uh, it was one of the guys' birthday, so we went to the bar beforehand, came back at like midnight, uh, and were very, very inebriated and played Orc. Uh, and we did the mission where they have it on Green Runin's website, actually, where the Orcs are tasked by their tribal leader to slay the silver dragon that lays at the at the bottom of the waterfall. In reality, uh, your orcs are getting too strong, so the tribal leader sends them over the waterfall to their death so that they won't be able to challenge him. But what happens instead is you're transported uh, through a whirlpool, uh, like black hole that happens at the bottom of the waterfall to an alt to a different world uh, where there are giant silver dragons and a huge castle guarded by militiamen and a bunch of humans walking around without weapons and it's Disney World. And then you just decide as the orc what you're going to do. So one <laughs> of my orcs decided to kidnap the princess and take her hostage at the top of the tower. Um, one of them decided that they were going to take over the burger hut and start cooking human hamburgers. One of them decided to just try to uh, attack the roller coasters, which is what they're actually supposed to try to do. Uh, the game always ends every time with a SWAT team being called to Disney World and slaughtering the orcs with fully automatic guns. Wait, so is it always Disney World? That specific module is mm. Disney World. 
can play it however you want. So uh, they did one like Christmas where they just get transported to uh, the North Pole and like fight elves, but they're like Christmas elves instead of like you know Tolkien elves. So they work slaughter the elves, and Santa Claus has to like put them down, and Christmas is ruined and stuff like that. Hmm. It's really meant to be a game that's just like you have like four or five uh, attributes, and that's it. And you just roll it, and you're supposed to make multiple character sheets. But as the DM, uh, you play the God of Orcs, who hates magic and also hates cheaters. And making a second character sheet is cheating. So if you see their second character sheet, you have to immediately kill their current orc until they run out of character sheets they can use. Uh, if you see them, also orcs have a magic ability. But if they use the magic ability, there's like a fifty-fifty chance because the orc god hates magic that instead of the magic working, the orc god punishes you by, like, striking you with lightning or turning you into a sheep or any other number of things. You have, like, a whole table you roll on to decide what happens to them for using magic. Oh, shit. Yeah. It's very fun. It's very, uh, a, a game that did not make my list because I have personally never played it, um, but I've heard good things about it, is uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics. Yes. Which... I almost put the Apocalypse version of that on here. Yeah. It is a very similar, like... Uh, you're in a big silver castle and there's a sword, but it's made of light. And it's just like, you're on like a spaceship, like that kind of stuff. But we have to describe it in like fantasy terms. Um, and it's also very death prone. Like everybody dies and should come with multiple character sheets kind of thing. My favorite thing about Dungeon Call Classics and the apocalypse version of it, uh, the name of which escapes me at the moment is they sell scratch off lottery tickets for that game that are character sheets. And so you just grab the character sheet and you scratch it off, and that's your character. It gives you like all your stats randomly generated and stuff. Like you just fill in the name after you scratch up the name section. Oh man! Because you're supposed to roll on these randomly generated tables to make your entire entire character. You're not supposed to choose anything about your character. I wish more games did that, just in general. Like, just here's here's a bunch of numbers. Here's like all your stuff filled out give a backstory and we're done here Go ahead. yeah my favorite thing uh about orc though is uh orc was uh like cobalt said my boobs for you orc was the first first role-playing game i ever owned i was at like a half price books when i was like 12 or 13 and i was with my parents and bought orc for like five dollars because it was whatever amount of money i had as a 12 year old for some reason and had an orc on the cover this is orc second edition you're seeing i have orc first and second edition I then got a job, quote-unquote, working for Green Ronin at Gen Con my freshman year, or between my freshman and sophomore year of college. Uh, Chris Kramis, who wrote Orc, was, works for Green Ronin. He published it through Green Ronin. He's also, I think he started Green Ronin as well. Uh, and ever, every year I would ask him when Orc 2 was going to come out, because Orc 2 was announced as they were working on it that year. And they finally produced it two years back. But I would ask him every year, hey, When's Orc 2 is coming out? When's happening? Orc 2 is my favorite. Like, it's my favorite game. It's the first one I ever owned. The year that the year before it came out at Gen Con, I walked up to the booth, and he handed me a copy of Orc 2. Some of the insets in it are still in Lorem Ipsum because it wasn't finished yet. It was like a test copy from the printer, and he told me I was never allowed to ask him about Orc ever again, and then walked <laughs> away. <laughs> nice. So I like to think that I personally annoyed the writer of Orc into, into finishing the second edition of it. Because he just didn't want to deal with me every year. I mean, that's that's honestly that's a that's a pretty cool like collector's item. I think having like a test copy of a game. I think that's a cool thing to have. While it was given to you seemingly out of spite, there might have been like a little bit of like, you know, a kid here. <laughs> they should have asked him to sign it. That would have been like the the final like he's like stop talking to me about this game oh hey before you go can you sign this for me <laughs> i'll see if i can get him next year i'm sure it will be there um that's a great uh that's a great number two honestly i i would almost argue that's a solid number one um my number one is arguably my favorite role-playing game ever uh and that is blaze in the dark hinted at earlier uh what we were talking about. And again, another game where you almost always succeed and you get to improvise 
90% of your campaign. I'm a bad DM. That's all I'm saying. Like I, I I'm, I'm enough of a man to admit that I'm just a, I'm not a very good DM. I don't like to plan. I like to make things up and just have you fight the thing I made up. This game is amazing. Uh, one, you get to play as bad guys. You, your party is a gang and you have to decide what illegal things you do to make money. Because money isn't like, like you can do stuff for money, but like you have like a passive income. Like you go, we are smugglers, um, or we run a protection racket, or we own a casino that does like underground gambling or whatever. And you just get money for that. And you can like upgrade your criminal empire to get more money on like a monthly basis. Uh, your character stats are just circles, and the more circles that you have filled in is how many dice you get to roll, and you just take the highest number on, like, a D6. So you'll be like, I want to do a thing. Okay, that falls under this attribute. Roll 4D6. And 1 to 2, you fail spectacularly. And then 3, 4, you do it, but there's, like, some kind of consequence. And, like, a 5, you just do it. And a 6, you do it tremendously well. Like, you get a benefit of some kind from doing the thing. Which sounds really basic, but because it's so open-ended, like I had, we had run this, I had run this campaign and we got to like the first sort of like big bad guy we were going to fight. And, uh, oh, the universe of this is basically the gate between the living and the dead has been destroyed. So there are now ghosts and there is magic now because of the ghosts. Like if you die, we have to like burn your body, uh, because otherwise your ghost will escape and you go crazy and that, that's a problem uh but one of the uh the characters is somebody who can, can control the the ghost force or whatever and i had a player turn because it was like a it was a ship chase they were on a boat chasing another boat um because it was on like a dock he turned his boat into a flying dutchman type ghost ship and then used just like the general fear of a ghost ship chasing you to fight the guy because there's not like combat stats like you can like punch somebody but like that's not really you know what i mean um and it, it was just super cool you get all kinds of crazy stuff um you get to have a layer i love any role-playing game that has a character sheet for not my character like if i get a character sheet for my like home base or my layer or whatever i love that i love that kind of stuff that adds so much to it I love a character sheet that's for like the party overall and it's like your party has allies now and your party has people who hate them now and you make more money because you were able to take out some other criminal gang and take over their turf and that's like tracked you know what I mean like it's it's not just the DM being like oh yeah I guess you know like you're slightly bigger now like no it's I on paper and building this empire on top of playing this role-playing game, which is super fun. Uh, we had this thing where uh, we kept like committing arson as a means of like uh, distracting the police as, as well as like exacting revenge on people. And we burnt down the same like carpet store like six times in a row to where like it just became a bit. Uh, I love that kind of stuff. It's great. Uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah. That's the whole story. Yeah, like we 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 definitely cabbage manned uh this rug guy for sure. And yeah, I, I it's amazing. John Harper's great. Uh they rewrote this book like eight times into other universes. There's a Firefly knockoff called Scum and Villainy that we talked about. That's really good. There's a Scum and Villainy is awesome. I own that as well. I've never played it, but I've got the book. There's a Oh, that's right. You have my book. That's right. I don't have the book. He's got one of us has the books. I mean, it's my book. Um, I think there's like a Western one. Like there's all kinds of stuff like, and it's, and he encourages it. Like, he's just like, yeah, man, like turn, you know, take this system, point it at other stuff, do crazy things with it. Um, I followed it. I owned like the beta version. Like I was playing a PDF that like didn't have all the rules in it yet. Um, uh, and I didn't get to finish my campaign. So, and there's enough crossover between Delta Green and Blades in the Dark that, when it's my turn to start running stuff, I've already decided I'm gonna we're gonna get to do the back half of my campaign I never got to do. Nice. Because I spent too much time planning it out. This is why I like making up stuff on the flight. Like I bought story cubes for this game 
And if people showed up and we just weren't sure what to do, I would just roll story cubes and I'd be like, I mean, they were Batman story cubes. So I'd be like, all right, so like there's Batman, uh, there's a safe, there's ninjas. And I would just be like, okay, there's a dojo with a safe. You've got to steal. Go. And you just make it all up. And it was honestly outside of the ghost ship, probably our, our second most fun session we had. Like this, the system plays itself. It's amazing. That's my number one. I, it's great. My number one is, as mentioned, Delta Green. Cross promotion. Cross promotion. That's why it's my number one, baby. <laughs> we do a podcast on, well, we do a live stream on Friday nights, uh, not this coming Friday, which would be Friday the what, first, I believe, uh, because it being New Year's Day, uh, people just weren't available. But from here on out, we'll be doing it every Friday, I believe, is the goal. Who's doing uh, stuff on New Year's Day? I don't know, but we decided we couldn't do it on New Year's Day. That's lame. Uh, our next session will be a wrap-up of the last session we did. It'll be pretty short. Uh, we try to go for about four hours on Fridays and split it into podcasts and YouTube shows uh, thereafter. I will be running the next session. Delta Green, to put in the cart before the horse. Delta Green is a role-playing game where it takes place in kind of like the Call of Cthulhu universe, sort of, but more closely tied into like the real world. Instead of being, uh, for those people who don't know what Call of Cthulhu is, it's a role-playing game where the Lovecraftian horror is real. Uh, there's many different like flavors of it, uh, but the basic idea is there, is, there are supernatural entities and beings. They are not fun. They are more like if you see them with your own eyes, you will claw your eyes out because rather than being able to comprehend them with your human brain, you will wish to never be able to see again. Uh, Delta Green's mission is to uh, find out when these supernatural beings cross over into our existence and find a way to stop them from doing that and then cover up any any idea of that it ever happened so if there's video footage of it you go and you find the video footage and you delete it if there's a court case because someone like had contact with some supernatural or like extra dimensional being and they decided to murder a bunch of people you sprinkle angel dust on all of their possessions so it looks like they were a drug head who went off the rocker uh, you are normally FBI agents or CIA agents, although you can also be anybody who has had an encounter with the supernatural, because basically your options are if Delta Green finds out that you had an encounter with something like that, either agree to join them and help them out, or they kill you, or make you go insane somehow. They don't mess around. They, do they destroy any evidence. Um, it's very fun. It's a pretty simple system to run, honestly. I'm really enjoying it personally. We are running, I bought some published modules uh, and I've read through them and I'm basing a lot of my modules off those, but I'm personally writing stuff as we go along. We've got some things in the running. I think I'm going to make a website uh, that'll be kind of fun. That'll have some like case details people can look at. It's it's really great. The I will say the one like downside to it that might make some people uninterested is the whole idea of it is that the universe is unfair. You characters die they almost always die tragically and a lot of the role play is based around the fact that your person who has decided that you're gonna you're going to try and fight and hide the fact that these entities exist because of how terrible they are for like human mental the human mental psyche and so your character like one of the things you do is in between missions you have to go to your bonds which are like the people you love and know and you have to act out a scene of you ruining that relationship with somebody in order to keep your sanity because basically as you lose sanity, you, of course, are going to act out against the people that do love and care about you. And they're like, hey, why don't you sleep at night? Why do you wake up screaming every day? You can't tell them. Because if they find out, they're going to then go insane and want to look into it, right? Or they're going to think you're crazy. So you lie to them, but you'll get caught in those lies eventually. And then you're going to ruin, your, ruin your, uh, you know, your marriage or you're going to ruin your relationship with your children or you're going to get fired from your job various other things so it can get, get kind of heavy yeah no i i agree this game is awesome um i'm very much enjoying it as well it doesn't feel as you can make stuff up from like a dm standpoint it feels very much like you can just make stuff up from a player standpoint um 
I don't know. Maybe you disagree. Do you feel like there's a lot of like required planning? Like if you're gonna like run a thing. I think so. I think it works better if you do planning beforehand because one of the things it tells you in the handler's guide is if this isn't like D and D where you are trying to get your players to succeed inevitably the players fail that's the whole idea of this universe is humanity will die and humanity is nothing to the greater interdimensional beings that actually have power in our universe the characters learning that and slowly going insane and dealing with it is what the game's about and so one of the things that says specifically in the handler's guide is if to write what you want to have happen write what's actually like the focal point of what's causing whatever they're investigating and if they don't figure it out they die if they go off on the wrong course, a bunch of innocent people die because they screwed up. You should under no circumstances change what you've written because they go off the rails and go the wrong direction. Yeah. So I think it's better if you prepare in advance, but you don't have to. If you want to play it like a normal game where you're like, well, I have like some ideas, but if they don't follow those trails, then I'll change it to make it fit better. I did that for some of Because like you guys wanted to investigate some stuff that I just didn't plan to have you investigate. Um, so like I added some details. I uh, I add I uh, improv the church scene, um, the 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 abandoned church scene. I did not have any planning for that at all. Uh, to give that an ex- to give that as an example, not that, that means anything to anybody listening to this. Sorry. They might. They might. It's all the same. It's on this channel. I mean, it's not crazy that there would be the same people. Yeah, so I improvised that scene entirely. Had no plans for that. For the uh, the the courtyard, the guy uh, whose gravestone you found that ended up being tied up into the greater like cult you were investigating that was tangentially related. That was a name I made up. It's it was two different uh, Lovecraftian characters' names. Well, it was it was Abel. I can't remember. It's a biblical character and a famous Lovecraft character's last name mashed together because I thought that was fun. Tie back to Lovecraft. Yeah. That gives me some hope. I mean, I, I'm i a firm believer, regardless of the game you're playing, that the world is the world, and if your players are dumb, that's not your it's not your problem. Um, so that that's good. Like, I don't have I don't have a problem planning just to be like, all right, this is the monster or the evil thing or the whatever. Uh, it's trying to plan out when, like, yeah, like, somebody does something, you know, weird or unexpected, then it's like, well, all right, I didn't really plan for this, and if I make something up, it's going to derail everything. Because there are definitely some games that are like that, and you're like, man, I really I really wish I had some leeway here just to kind of do whatever without, like, putting myself in a corner. Yeah. I mean, I think the way it happens, if you guys had continued to investigate something that wasn't related to what was actually happening, more people would have started showing up dead and dying, and the other investigators that were there would have eventually started to get on the trail and kind of pull you guys back in the right direction. Um... But, I mean, like, part of the fun, quote-unquote, in this game is that you guys can fail and be miserable because of it. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, like, I, I have listened to both those sessions many times because I'm, I'm editing them for YouTube, and we definitely decide to not care. Um, and I don't know how that, that's going to shake out in, uh, the post-session, but there's, like, a good five minutes of us being like, what's going to happen? Is somebody else going to die? Bruh. <laughs> Yeah, I'm actually super. I'm I'm looking forward to the next session, even though it's going to be a wrap up session, uh, because you guys left quite a few loose ends, which is something you're supposed to try your hardest not to do. Oh yeah, we definitely did. Um, yeah, and so there's going to be a lot of consequences for that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, we did not do a great job of being covert in any way. Uh, another, I, I picked that up again, having listened back to all of it multiple times. I'm just like, oh yeah, we uh, just kind of out ourselves to everyone in this town pretty much constantly um yeah that that's fine that's probably good though i think we got to learn from that um th- this is a game of consequences and i think that's what makes it fun and i don't know that we totally understood as a party what we needed to be doing as far as like the severity of like you're just gonna have to murder people like a bunch of people uh to prevent things from getting out and like hey we just didn't want to do that so yeah i'm excited i'm super excited to see how that ends up uh this is a great game i love a game with real consequences i love a game that allows freedom and then kind of turns that freedom against you 
it's basically evil kobolds. Like, yeah. you're you're just people, and you're very squishy, and you're probably going to die a lot. Uh, and your mission is, like, pretty straightforward. There's a bad guy over there. Do something about it. Don't go crazy. Do your best not to, anyway. Yeah. All right, well, that's, uh, that's our number one. That was five things from each of us. Yeah. That's uh that's five non D D tabletop RPGs. Check them out. Uh, definitely check out Delta Green. Check out us playing Delta Green uh, on Fridays and eventually on Spotify and YouTube as well. Uh, thank you. All right. So, two things. One that went well. Uh, we can transition over here in like two seconds. Well, I'm gonna stop recording. Yeah, uh, I should also stop.